when I was 18, my mom basically said, you cannot live with us. You have to be independent. And then I think mostly because I had so much not, not understanding of mental health issues or PTSD or it's really stemmed from my child sex abuse and abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this episode, we will talk about child sex abuse, adversity, and media. We'll dive right into Jury Love's courageous story and understand what she had to do and how she came out of it. So be sure to listen in to hear all the details. Hello, my wonderful beasties. Welcome to the Courageous Interviews. I'm your host, Tina, and here we have our fabulous guest, Jury Love, who is also known as Goddess of Connection. She's also a magician, model, actor, survivor of abuse and homelessness, a motivational speaker, a journalist, film and TV producer, Reiki practitioner, and a Rotarian. Thank you for being here and joining us, Ruri. I really appreciate it a lot. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Tina. Yes, thank you. Um, so to just get a start with, what is one of what is one of your courageous stories that you would like to share to our audience? My courageous stories, um, I would say couple. So when I was 13 back in Japan, uh, I was uh, getting abused from my father and I didn't know what to do, but I escaped from him. And then till these days, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And it's almost like a survival courageous thing I've done. And another thing I've done courageously was to probably get out of the homelessness quickly when I became homeless. Um, when I was 18, I found a job to um, have you know, money and then roof above me and food and it was hard. But I found a resort hotel job where I can stay and um, work when they are feeding me too. So that's another one. And then another one is to come to America, Berkeley College of Music, mm-hmm. um, by getting a scholarship. And yeah, so those are big, big, big ones. Yeah. So going back to um, how you escaped your father from child abuse, what was the first thing that that you had to do? I know that you didn't know how, but uh, once you were out, what was the first what was the first thing that you did on that? So my parents got divorced and I was living with my dad and then I called my mom and I contacted her to meet with a meet up with me secretly and then we arranged the school change and everything so it was kind of secretive and um it was the first time um that i used public phone um back then we didn't have cell phones <laughs> so we had a, a telecard so you put like phone card and then i memorized the number of my grandparent grandma's house and mm-hmm. i called so that was really courageous of me to do that. Yeah. Wait, why was it courageous to call your grandparents in that regard? Oh, my mom, 
so my mom was living um with my grandma i i didn't know where she was and mm-hmm. i only knew my grandma which is my mom's mom's phone number uh, okay we didn't have cell phone back then we only had a home phone um so i basically ran from home one night and i used public phone to contact because there was uh, only one phone connected to the wall yeah um, the black phone oh yeah that, like the landline i was um, yeah yeah so i didn't have a cell phone to hide and call um so i had to go somewhere else to make a phone call for help and that was like the first one you did when you were 13 correct mm-hmm. yes and then how did that lead you to when you were 18 becoming homeless so, um too basically Basically, after that, I was living with my mom, and then um, there a lot happened in between that time, which I talked about it on my book, which is called A Gift from Adversity, and it has all the details. It's available on Amazon. Um, but when I was 18, my mom basically said, you cannot live with us. You have to be independent. And then I think mostly because I had so much not not understanding of mental health issues of PTSD or it's really stemmed from my child sex abuse and abuse um, mm-hmm. yeah. that was never addressed so I was going crazy and then kind of got rebellious I guess in a way I was going um, according to my mom like maybe very rebellious teenager selfish but Truthfully, I was acting up because I was never believed about sexual abuse part of it and I tried to kill myself. So she mm-hmm. saw me trying to um, commit suicide and I think she was trying to put me on medication. Yeah. Like and then um, I, I think the luck of education about the mental health issues back in the 80s and um, early 90s was still like it's a stigma. Yeah, and that really led me to that position of being homeless too. Mm. So, from what I'm hearing is that, based on you know the circumstances when you were living with your mom, like going through, um, attempting suicide and her wanting to just kick you out and just pretty much not handle what you're going through with your mental health she just resort to that and then where you are going now you know when you're 18 being homeless right i think yeah. so i don't yeah i'm not her so i can't say but homelessness yeah. is something that i don't wish on anybody um and i still kind of fear at some point like and i really don't want to be homeless again it's yeah especially I have two children and they are six and 12. I would never want them to live in the shelter or be in the street, but I was like living in the st- on the street and I had nowhere to go. And yeah. it was a miserable feeling. Mm. And how long were you? So what did, so when that happened, when you're 18, so I'm curious of like, what did you do after? And it, did you already have your kids then or not yet? Them too. 
No, I didn't have my um, son for like, I was 34, so a long time. Okay. Um, but I found a magazine. Back then, we didn't have like internet and stuff. So I, I found this job listing magazine that you can buy a dollar like in Japan. Yes. And then I just looked through um, in Japanese, like a sumikomi no baito, which means like <laughs> um, the part-time job that you can yeah. live. Um, mm-hmm. But like... If you are homeless in here, for instance, you can apply for a cruise job. So you go on a ship and then go, you know, Caribbean cruise or whatever, and then work inside of the ship. So you don't have to worry about, you know, renting place. So in resort hotel job um, in Japan back then, um, they had onboard staff, which means Mm -hmm. you are completely away from home and you live in a hotel um it was owned by a very lovely couple and then um they have a guest room for the employees so i got the job i went there the owner picked me up and i worked there for about a month and a half so after like you only worked there for a month and a half then and then yeah but back then like, yeah i saved money and then came to tokyo um then i got a my first um very modest apartment <laughs> and it was like 20 minutes from home uh from our uh, station it was yeah. like very tiny apartment and, but i was very proud and i had um, a variety of different jobs oh that's so great i mean that's that is so many like creative steps that you had to take especially at 18 to move forward and being seems like left behind a bit by your family per se is it me yeah and so that's so courageous it's amazing well, you know, I think yeah it's more it's not like a bullying it's more of um mm-hmm. self-abuse i would say that i was comparing a lot to with my friends who went to college like mm-hmm. say a lot of kids in this country till right after high school they go to college but yeah. i was homeless so a mm-hmm. lot of my friends are in college you know partying or like and having yeah. fun whatever i remember one time i had a friend's kind of come over to my apartment um mm-hmm. And I was working and then they were in college and then I felt so unfair. And then I was working like sales and stuff when I was 18, 19 too. And I see these young kids in college my age and that was the toughest part of it. And I cried a lot and then I shouldn't have, but I feel like whatever the circumstance, like external thing that you are the worst abuser yourself, like you just beat yourself up to death. And then, mm-hmm. like, I learned it really, really later, like, recently almost um, <laughs> in life that you're the worst person. Because whatever people say, you can take it or not take it. Or whatever mm-hmm. circumstance, you can compare it or not compare it. You can just focus and keep moving forward, like you said. But I didn't have that kind of languages back then. I had no idea what was going on within my brain compared to now. So yeah. that was hard. That makes sense. Sometimes when you learn back then, you're like, oh, okay, not now. I would then it's like many years later. So that makes sense. So what you said, 
you is yourself like self-abuse is like what you choose is where you will go forward versus like comparing and contrasting or even deciding yes or no on this decision right and yeah no that makes a lot of sense of just feeling that it's unfair for your friends to go to college but then here you are in a different circumstance of being homeless so moving forward on that um with that it's I can see that definitely and then the third and then the third story you mentioned was um coming to Berkeley College of Music which is in Boston so yeah. you know going to college abroad by yourself is a lot of courage and imagine yourself going to the university in Japan yeah from America that's a lot of jump and but I was very excited and I got a scholarship uh, partial scholarship to attend Berkeley College of Music so I was so excited and I would I must say that courageous um, decision that I made when I was younger um, was probably the best ever decision I've made in my entire life going to college to Berkeley College of Music is one of the best world-class music um, college in Boston. Oh, what was it? What was going there like? Because you just mentioned like it's one of the best decisions you ever made, by far. Why is that? Is it like the staff, the the school, the curriculum, the people there? I'm curious about that too. Like, that's like one of the best locate best places you ever been to. Or attended. Before Berkeley College of Music, I um, was uh, trained uh, classically, and mm -hmm. then I never knew how to play a chord or chart and stuff. But then, um, not only learning different genre of music and completely immersed into music only, which was so much fun, just practicing playing concerts and everything, but also meeting with very, very extremely passionate and talented people mm -hmm. that just don't give up and just keep moving forward. And like only, not only like you know, students, but obviously teachers and um, people who come to Berkeley is just such high caliber musicians and it's incredible skill set to have and I I'm still in touch with my lovely college friends and you know it's so inspiring to see them now over you know two decades later how successful they are winning Grammy being on the TV and being on a tour and just to show how much of the passion that you have um, yeah. that can carry through your life. And I never really had that kind of friends back in Japan. And I thought I was crazy. But then when I came to Berkeley, I found really kindred spirit and friends who are just so humble and um, talented and just yeah. amazing people. I'm so happy that you were able to find your people in boston versus um in japan because yeah sometimes you when you need to move to a different place and finally going to a college or uh, 
a college in Boston and meeting these incredible people, it makes an impact in your life and that there are people who are there for you too. And so that's so amazing. Oh. And um, with these people, you said like they're, you've been in contact with them for many years now. Do you still go back to Berkeley, Berkeley um, College of Music? Not really, uh, but mm -hmm. I have friends who are teachers there. Mm -hmm. And I used to work there after graduating as an accompanist for the vocal department. So I was there even after graduation uh, a lot. Oh, so, so is, you only visit that once in a while with when you have friends who are teachers over there. Right. Yeah, drive past by, but I don't I haven't been inside of the um, building for a while. Oh, okay. So what is what is the one thing that you went to this college? So besides meeting your longtime friends now, what's what is one what's one other thing that you appreciate attending Berkeley College of Music? Sure. So Tina, like I said, I'm a survivor of the child sex, sex abuse and um, yes. homelessness, bullying and all the adversities. And music to me was something that um, I didn't have to explain the compli uh, complication, like complicated feelings of what had happened to me. And yeah. every time I played piano, or maybe sing or songwrite, like it just um, is almost like healing process, but I feel like the tube and tools in between me and the, the art um, format was very thin, which means I didn't have much knowledge how to produce, how to arrange and how to um, put together. But now I learned from Berkeley how to produce and then everything and like, my latest album which is available on spotify it's called love frequency mm -hmm. um me and my producer etop worked a lot and um some of the songs that i wrote um really couldn't have absolutely done it if i didn't go to Berkeley because i didn't know how to express it um so i'm very grateful not only meeting people but being able to heal myself through expressing yeah. my deepest trauma thoughts that nobody would understand or even me wouldn't have like have good of explanation and expression if not music i love that title love frequency it's is it what so what is that what is the title about Bain Lane? Is it loving quite often or is there more into it? I'm curious about that too. Are you talking about the song Love Frequency or album? Um, the album. I'm curious. So, or, you think, or you can give a synopsis of it. I'm just curious. A personal curiosity. So Love Frequency... Um, is a collaboration album between me and my producer Etop. So he sent um, like music without lyrics, and then I came up with um, the lyrics of, say, Love Frequency or other songs too. Yes. So 
I get inspiration from listening to no vocal instrumental music and then just kind of put it together. Sometimes, Tina, when I'm depressed or when I am really having a panic attack, sometimes melody and lyrics come. There's a song called Realization um, in the album Love Frequency. Uh, it's available on Spotify if you Google um, or search on Spotify, Jury Love, J-U-R-I-L-O-V-E. Um, you can find it easily. And realization, I was completely um, having a panic attack and then so crying and then locking my room. And then this melody came up. It hit me, it hit me, it hit me today. Um, the realization that I was broken to pieces. And that's my mm -hmm. first lyrics and but it's a reggae form so it's kind of like um upbeat but the mm. lyrics is very deep okay oh, yeah that sounds i mean reggae the style their styles reggae is always like like just kind of bopping right. your head and just hanging out kind of thing that sounds so I didn't, cool i didn't make it that way like i just played a piano but then mm -hmm. my producer somehow came up with this um different beat but then uh, throughout the album, my lyrics are mainly talking about, you know, not only love, but um, just keep it going, moving forward. Um, so it's a good album and there's some Japanese twist to it too. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing your, um, thank you for sharing your stories, Juri. I really sure. appreciate it. Um, if you could have some, what are some key takeaways you think would um, that would impact our listeners from listening in from these stories that you have shared? So right now, I'm a journalist, TV, film producer, and actress, and single mom too. Long story short, that 20 years ago, or so I couldn't even talk to you and doing this podcast because I always get panic attack and I couldn't even eloquently state my mind. So I came a long way through therapy, through self-care, learning, trial and error. And especially when you unfortunately have experienced significant torture, child sex abuse, physical abuse at early age, your system is completely violated. So your brains, I, I'm not a scientist or anything, psychologist, but I feel like the brain's like wired so differently. And then my struggle has been to seek an attention from outward, not yeah. within. So my favorite quote that I want to share with people always is I'm the love that I seek. So with that, basically a lot of people that i've talked to and myself included um suffer with addictions um depression self-doubt a lot of things but my message is at the end of the day whatever happened in the past you are the worst abuser to yourself or you could be the best healer to yourself and you could be the best cheerleader to yourself 
or you could be the worst person to yourself. It's a lot of self-sabotage talk that destroy a lot of human beings. And I feel due to extreme abuse that I experienced when I was a kid, I didn't know how to rewire my brain to um, tell myself I'm okay, I'm strong, I'm beautiful. And I'm learning that nowadays, especially after the global pandemic, especially from my children who are 12 and 6, that they are really trained by the guidance counselors of these tools and techniques to, you know, Mm. bring awareness and then self-boundary and respect. So I think nowadays it's less of stigma. And I've written many stories around mental health through my journalism work as well. And it's not easy step, but use the resources, speak out and reach out. And do not yeah. be afraid to talk about mental health because mental health is as equal as physical health, if not more. Because if you're not mentally okay, your physical health would definitely go down the hill. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's We're trying to take down that stigma of mental health and making sure that it's both taken care of equally as much as it can be. And so I agree with what you're saying of you know, you could be the worst of yourself or the best of yourself based on what you choose. And we have choices through that too, of making sure what we, we want to be better individuals for ourselves or going down the other path too. So um, thank you for sharing. Thank, thank you for sharing your favorite quote and your message. And thanks everyone for listening in. I really appreciate it. And Please look at, um, please hit the follow button wherever you are listening and look out for new episodes every Tuesday on the Courageous Interviews. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoy our conversation and would like to get connected with Jury Love, please look at the description in the show notes for more information and links.